If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake, because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty Cake. Accept no substitute. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Greetings, Katie. Hey, Keith. Uh, how are you? You know, great. It's great. Monday. It's I mean, it's Tuesday when you're listening to this, but yeah. it's Monday, so it's, it's great. And we're recording this in a different room. Oh, yeah. We're so, in the Billboard video studio, guys. So if you ever watch uh, Chelsea Briggs or Tetris uh, do any of our Billboard news segments, we're actually in that same place where they do that. Yeah, it's got a good atmosphere, actually. Yeah, let us know if uh, the acoustics sound better to you. <laughs> Maybe we can do it in here from now on. Who knows? Uh, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news about big debuts on the Billboard Hot 100 from Travis Scott and Dan and Shay and Justin Bieber. There's a lot of ands in there. Hmm. Plus, exciting news on the Billboard 200 albums chart from Super M and Summer Walker. Plus, we have an interview with the rising artist John Kay. He stopped by the office recently to talk about his very first Billboard chart hit, his single If We Never Met, his debut EP, and more. So stick around for that in a bit. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show with your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, so let's do some chart chat. Uh, First up, Travis Scott barges in at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 as his new single, Highest in the Room, debuts straight into the top slot. No highest puns there? Hey. Highest on the chart. It's the highest he can go. (laughs) Can't get much higher than number one. Hey. Uh, Okay, well, the song is Scott's second number one after Sicko Mode and... It marks the 35th song to debut at number one. Rare company. Yeah. Highest is a standalone single and not part of Scott's last album, Astroworld. So therefore, obviously, there's going to be sort of built up, pent up demand for like a brand new track. New era. New era. The song starts with 59 million U.S. streams earned in the week ending October 10th, according to Nielsen Music, and 51,000 copies sold. Fun fact, Hot 100 chart manager Gary Trust points out that Highest in the Room is the first number one single with the word room in the title. Hmm. Hey, there's room at the top. (laughs) Pun. Okay, so previously the highest charting room song was Brandy's number two hit, Sitting Up in My Room, back in 1996. A jam. A jam from the Waiting to Exhale soundtrack. Mm -hmm. (sighs) (laughs) Okay, next up. Justin Bieber scores his 16th top 10 hit on the Hot 100, and country duo Dan and Shay collect their first top 10 as their new collaborative single, 10,000 Hours, bows at number four. The track tallied 33.3 million streams during the tracking week and sold 53,000 copies. Katie, tell us about this track. 
Well, the uber-romantic song was released on October 4th, appropriately just days after Justin's South Carolina wedding to Haley Baldwin. Uh, the love song is about putting in the time to learn absolutely everything about your romantic partner. Hmm. You know that whole Malcolm Gladwell rule that it takes 10,000 hours to master any skill? No. You don't know that? No, I don't. He says, like, if you want to... Who is Malcolm Clark? Oh, oh my goodness. He's like a writer. He talks about... Um, like a write... self-help guru or something? Not self-help. He's more of a, like, statistical guy. Like, he, he did a lot of the Freakonomics stuff and oh, okay. wrote Outliers and Blink and all these books that... Anyway, his, he's got this thing in Outliers that's about it takes 10,000 hours to truly master any skill. So, like, if you wanted to become a fantastic guitarist... You need to put in 10,000 hours of time with your guitar before you're a master of it. Wow. People okay. take issue with this, but it's sure. what he says. Okay. So that's what this song is a play off of. Got it. Um, basically, this song is applying that rule to love. Hmm. 10,000 hours to master your romantic partner. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so the video was released later that same day and includes all three dudes serenading their wives. So Dan and his wife, Abby, Shay and his wife, Hannah, and Justin and his new wife, Haley. Oh. It's, uh, it's very, I mean, it's, they're just putting it all like on Front Street. It's very, they're like, they're, they're going for that wedding crowd. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. I, was like, I mean, I can, I can appreciate the timing because it's like timed around Justin's wedding. Yes. I'm like, oh, if only you had time to for like Valentine's Day. Oh, it'll be around on Valentine's Day, it's, I'm sure. It's going to be one of those songs. All right. Well, over on the Billboard 200 albums chart, K-pop supergroup Super M debuts at number one with Super M, the first mini album. How many times can I say the word Super M? <laughs> the seven-member act comprises individuals from the successful K-pop acts uh, EXO, NCT 127, Shiny, and Wavy. Uh, while Super M is a super group, it's likely a lot of American music fans may not totally know the individual members unless you follow K-pop. But if you follow K-pop music, you definitely know who these yeah, acts are. Yeah, these are all, these are all huge, uh, huge groups that they're from. Yeah. Um, that said, the fact that the super group, the super group, that a supergroup <laughs> is at number one made us wonder about previous supergroups that have topped the Billboard 200 chart. And by way, made us wonder, it means this is what we've been talking about all day today. Yeah, it's, if, if, <laughs> this again, is what we do. If you sit next to Keith and Katie, we fall into <laughs> rabbit holes. So um, actually, it wasn't that long ago that something that might be described as a supergroup was Katie's number one. Katie's doing air quotes with her fingers Well, right it, that, that was a lot of the conversation today is like what means, like what, what does a supergroup mean exactly? If and you're you know li what? Listeners, debate it amongst yourselves. Yeah. So uh, the Raconteurs uh, sort of qualifies as a supergroup since yeah. the band has Jack White, obviously, of White Stripes, mm -hmm. and Brendan Benson, who was an artist in his own right. Um, and, and they hit number two other one. Guys. And then there's this, the other guys. <laughs> I mean, they were probably in bands too. We just don't know those bands. They're not. They're not as recognizable. Exactly. As, like the White Stripes. So um, the band hit number one with "Help a Stranger" earlier this year. Yeah. Before that, it looks like you have to go all the way back to 2005 when "Audio Slave" hit number one with "Out of Exile." Audio Slave, also an interesting <laughs> makeup. Is it a It consisted group? of three members of Rage Against the Machine, along with Soundgarden's Chris Cornell, RIP. And Audio Slave was sort of um, basically a reassembled Rage Against the Machine with Cornell filling in for Zach De La Rocha. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it was a whole new band. Yeah. And they had hits in their own right. True. So, true. Yeah. Okay, well, moving on. Lastly, 
Breakthrough R&B singer Summer Walker debuts at number two on the Billboard 200 with her first proper studio album titled Over It. Notably, the set garnered 154.7 million on-demand audio streams for its songs during the tracking week. That marks the largest streaming week ever for an R&B album by a woman, surpassing the debut week of Beyonce's Lemonade in 2016, which started with 115.2 million on-demand streams. Whoa. Yeah. And now, it's time for our interview with John Kay. He recently made his Billboard chart debut with his new single, If We Never Met, hitting the adult pop song's airplay chart. And earlier this year, he dropped his first EP, all co-written by himself. Yeah. He actually stopped by the office to talk about both the single and the EP, and how he moved to Nashville to start his career a couple years back, and how he's uh, sitting on at least 20 songs that are ready to go. Bring them out, John. Yeah. So take a listen to our chat with John Kay. What if I never started singing? What if you never told your family you were leaving when you felt the pressure? Welcome to the Pop Shop Podcast, John Kay. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Um, Well, congratulations on recently earning your first Billboard chart hit as your single, If We Never Met, recently debuted on our adult pop songs airplay chart. Yay. That's amazing. It's a, yeah. So it's a hit? It's, it's a, a hit. hit. That, that's a, it's, it's officially a, a hit. It's on the right. um, What's it like to see your name on the Billboard charts? Uh, it's been a long time coming. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's humbling. It makes me want to work harder and get more music out. Um, but to lead with If We Never Met, that's such a special song to not only me, but to my entire team. And that one felt right coming out with. And it's just incredible to watch people connect to it and watch it actually do its thing. I mean, you've, I mean, you've been actually at this for a couple years now, and like, you know, you're already big on Spotify and had a lot of fans. So now you're kind of breaking into like a whole new world of like hearing yourself on the radio. Yeah, like it's, cool. it's it's it. I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I, I did kind of think you're, you, you might have been like, you know, I've been all over Spotify, so whatever. <laughs> no, but, not at all. but thank you for for liking to see your name on the Billboard charts. <laughs> yes, I like to see it. I would like to see it much more. <laughs> it's like also I'm inside Billboard right now, so yeah, yeah of course I love. Oh, yeah, seeing I love it. it. Billboard. <laughs> Billboard's amazing. And um, you just filmed the video for the song, too. Yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Um, so people might have seen it by the time we, uh, you know, they hear this, but can you tell us about the concept and inspiration? Yeah. So we we looked at treatments for the last two or three months, oh, and wow. we must have gone through 20 to 30 of them. And when we read this one, it was very clear. It already felt connected to the song in the text. So seeing the visual come to life yesterday was absolutely incredible. The crew is amazing. Um, the concept is pretty simple. Um, it's very clean. There's like a projection behind me of scenes that are very organic like the song is. Um, mm-hmm. And it's me performing straight to the camera, just looking at everybody who's listening and hopefully hmm. connecting to the song like I am. And it's the perfect song to lead with, and the video is exactly how I feel like the song should visually be portrayed. Uh, you, you're from Florida originally, right? Yep. And but and you're still based there, yes. Born and raised. I live in Orlando, Florida, right now. Okay. Oh, wow. But so on, in your spare time, you're at Disney World all the time. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, oh. every day. You're more of a Universal kid. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, growing up, it's, teens is Universal, and then you know when you go back to Disney, it's, it's you need a good balance of both. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and where in Florida are you from? Uh, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Oh, my my parents go there every single yeah. year. All That's over the obviously south. Obviously, like everybody Boca. vacations there. Yeah. 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 Uh, I have family in West Palm. My mom's in West Palm. And then, yeah, I just settled in Orlando 
that's where the project got started and that's kind of where the roots just stayed but i mean the last year we've been in la arguably more than we've been in orlando so i i joked about disneyland but you know and we were joking before we actually started we were joking about choreography it made me think of nsync and they're from orlando yada yada <laughs> so were you one of those young people that were like singing and dancing on a stage somewhere at an amusement park in florida before you <laughs> like got into the music business it was more in my bedroom in the mirror <laughs> okay you know okay. just pretending that i was an insane you know? never know never know you're, so you're saying you're an insane fan uh i you know for the record i definitely would say that but i also katie loves I justin Timberlake. i mean who doesn't who yeah. um, we I'm, actually listened to it last night on the way home from the music video really? <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> it came up but we were jammed the whole way home i have video proof you're That's like awesome. i don't know why i mean i just have all their like you know albums and, um i have the signed t-shirt from justin um okay I don't know why uh so you moved from florida to nashville at some point with your dad if we're to believe your if we're to believe your official biography um <laughs> to pursue uh sort of the business the music business um when did that move happen how old were you um dad said let's make it happen um it we were only there for a year and a half mm. and we i think we went out there in 2013 just to feel it out i just he was like hey i see great potential in you I want to get in rooms and see what we can do. That's so cool. And we just, him and I, we got a studio apartment in Franklin, Tennessee and started knocking on doors and we didn't know what we were doing. He was my acting manager, my dadager. And I just started getting in listening rooms and just singing uh, covers, originals, started to figure out how to write. And before long, you know, I, I I had the bug before we went, but once I started to get a, a glimpse of what the industry's about, I was pretty hooked. What, 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 I mean, if you're, so your dad was just like, let's go to Nashville. This is where we think we can make this happen. What inspired that? Was it something that you guys saw or read somewhere that was just like, I think this is what we're supposed to do? Or we had what? a couple friends that mm. said Nashville is a great place to, to start. It's very inviting. It's very warm. Uh, you know, LA can be very cold if you don't have any inns and mm. Nashville is kind of just like a good place to get your feet wet. Mm. And so we just jumped in. And we tried to make it happen. Visit the Bluebird Cafe. I did. Did you do all that stuff? I did all that. The Listening Room Cafe, Bluebird. Yeah. Wow. Four or five deep, just writer's rounds, playing 20-minute sets, just singing like a couple days a week. Wow. Awesome. Crazy. And you dropped your first EP in the spring. We did. Um, also named If We Never Met. And you co-wrote all four tracks on oh, yeah. the EP. Was that important for you to kind of, you know, as your introduction, um, that you have a hand in writing all those songs? Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the, the new norm. I, I would like to be you know the writer of all the stuff that we mm. go I'm, I'm down if the song is great and we feel something from outside that they send in and it's undeniable and it feels like me of course i'll cut whatever comes in but mm. there's something special about being in the room watching the creation of of the song and it helps me be a little more connected to it yeah when i perform it later when we do a video like if we never met is is me it's in me and it that shows in the performances and everything else so yeah i think one of the most special parts of this process has been writing the songs. But if Max Martin calls up, and like, just <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't song, say no. Right? I mean, you know, Carol King's like, "Hey, I got this leftover from Tapestry. What's <laughs> up? Sure, sure, no problem." Um, there's a track on the EP called "Rum and Tequila," um, and when we were listening to it the first time, I was just like, "You know, this has like a really sun- sort of like sunny kind of like country vibe mm-hmm. to it." 
Um, we just could hear Thomas Rhett. Singing yeah, we were, at I first. was just like, oh, I could, I could hear like Thomas Rhett singing this. Like you could easily like pitch this to Thomas Rhett. Keep it, keep the song for yourself. Yeah, keep it. Um, <laughs> we'll put Thomas on the second verse. Sure, yeah, yeah. sure. It's a feature. Yeah, remixes—they're all. <laughs> um, did you ever think, like, while you were in Nashville, like, hey, maybe I could sort of angle myself to like, you know, like towards country music, or like sort of going to like, hey, I'd love to hear myself on country radio, or was that even something you were thinking about necessarily? It was something that was almost being pushed. There was a lot of people that suggested that mm. I go that way. Um, Naturally, as you're in Nashville and you're playing these places, and they're, they're like, like, you know what? You have this soulful voice if you pushed it, you know, but I knew that I could go any direction from mm-hmm. it. Right. And that has been a the biggest uh, struggle in my career because when we used to write songs, we would have the other co-writers in the room sing them at the end because I have the ability to sing a bad song and make it sound good. And it was okay. true. Like we didn't know if the structure or the song or, or anything was good about it because just cause it sounded pretty and I sang it like I could have gone any direction and I mm. naturally wanted to lean pop and I wanted to lean. I just didn't feel like I would be fully satisfied in country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, That's not to say though, of course in this crazy 2019 world that we're in right now that whatever you do cannot be sort of, consumed or enjoyed by people 100%. who enjoy different kinds of music. Yeah, of and I, I mean, love country music. I mean, uh, Marshmallow against... and Kane Brown have a track together and country uh, radio, I think, might X. be playing it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's that, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and, like, Justin Bieber has a song. There's like Oh, with Dan and Shay. They just yeah. announced it this morning. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So, yep. so, who knows? In a few awesome. weeks, you could be all over country radio. <laughs> you know what? And if I became a country artist then and that's the way that it worked, then we would yeah. go that way. Well, it's... and you name drop Taylor Swift in your song, which obviously, like, right there, she started Country. Noted country to pop yeah, superstar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, do you actually know if she's heard the song yet? I don't have confirmation, but I think she's heard it. <laughs> I hope so. It's, you, it can't you don't spring. have confirmation, but it. you think, why do you think? <laughs> because, you know, I think that uh, somebody in her team was like, hey, this is a cool song and it's got your name in it. Like, You know, Twitter it? ats you when you're like, yeah. when you show up somewhere. She called me a couple weeks ago. <laughs> you've, you've got fans at like Shawn Mendes concerts like sending you like videos of your song being played before a Shawn Mendes concert really so you never know your homework I'm very this stuff is publicly available man. come on um, yeah. so, we, so, too far. so we don't have confirmation if uh, T Swift has actually heard the song no, but don't. you'd like to think that she probably see we need to ask her yeah. we need next to ask time her. we talk to her right That'd be well, awesome. yeah, her next know. time we encounter her we'll ask her great sure so um, since you've been doing this for a couple of years now um, and had success on Spotify and, you know, a lot of fans through there and a lot of millions of streams, which led you to getting signed to Epic, um, I'm assuming there is a lot of eagerness from fans that they want to see you on the road and in the next year or so. Are there sort of definitive plans that we can talk about in the next few months? Yeah. Uh, touring uh, and such. Right now, our main focus is on If We Never Met. Mm-hmm. Um the way it's connecting to people and the way people have been giving us their stories and their versions, we've really seen uh, a true connection from the listener to the song. Um, and Epic has recognized that as well. And so that's why we chose to push it to uh, AC Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next couple months is dedicated not only to finishing a lot of music that's unreleased while we're going to a bunch of different radio stations all over the country. Doing that radio promo tour thing. Met, doing the radio promo tour thing. Um, and doing a lot of live stuff there. Uh, we're currently building the show as well, uh, ready for, I think next year is really our year where it's going to start to go. I mean, the music that we have on release right now is between you and I and everybody listening to this. It's just it's unbelievable. Just, it's, it's and just I'm the 17 so excited. of us in this room. I, yeah, right? I just can't wait for this next batch to come out. Like, 
I love the songs that are out. I love the EP. We mm-hmm. worked on that so hard, and we're so particular about the mixing process mm-hmm. and getting that out. And it's so such a cool feeling to release a little body of work, mm-hmm. right? You know, just like your little babies. I got yeah. four kids, and they're all. <laughs> but you, but so you want the met. four kids to have more siblings? Yeah, what you're saying. <laughs> I'd, I'm gonna have a lot of babies. A lot of babies. Is is the idea to sort of uh, build upon the four track baby into something bigger, like, or is it like, oh, I have a whole new body of work, like a whole other EP, or do you even really know kind of where that's going at this point? No, I feel like it's another EP leading to a debut album. Mm-hmm. I, I I can't be, you know. 100% on that, but all things that's could what change. feels right. We have some good momentum right now, and we have great music behind it. And, I mean, we're sitting on 20-plus songs that are done and ready to go. Like, I'm, I'm, we've been nonstop behind the curtain, you know, working, if we never met, but working so hard in these rooms to, to write. We just tapped into an unbelievable well of music. Amazing. I feel like I've truly connected to the artists that I'm excited to be. And the music that's going to come out in the next wave is going to be incredible. Including something with a remix with, who did we say was going to be on the remix? Yeah, who do we got? Wait, was what are Thomas you talking Red? about? Thomas oh, right, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Thomas Red on the remix. Or, or Tay Swift. Uh, I'm T-Swift. cool with that. <laughs> Sean. Rum and tequila. Yeah, Charlie. Sean. I don't know, I'm just like name checking Adele. <laughs> I, think we need Adele. A, I think we need a female on If We Never Met. Mm, I you could know, hear a Camila's in the epic family, so yeah. Yeah, just make that happen. Just put it out there. I'm all about manifesting. Just put it out there. It's going to happen. We can make it happen. Anything else that we're missing that we should be talking about? I mean, you guys, you did your, you did your thing. <laughs> you, are we going to get personal? What are you gonna, our dance yeah. number that we talked about before? Is there a choreography coming? Uh, there's, for this I mean, radio there's some promo movement in the, in the music video, for sure. Um, there is no set choreography in the radio promo tour, mm. nor do I think there should be. For this <laughs> Not music. much of a dancer, is that what you're saying right now? <laughs> is there a uh, timetable for the video when it might come out? Do you know? It's going to be very soon, within okay. the next uh, couple weeks. Okay, okay. great. All right. Well, I feel like the, I'm excited about the new music. I feel like that's a perfect note to end this on. So thank you so much awesome. for coming in. I mean, thank you for having me. And good luck yeah. with everything in the future. Thank you very much. If we never met, I'll be drunk waking up in someone else's bed. I'll be lost in a crowded room of fake friends. Thanks so much to John K for coming by the podcast. He was super enjoyable and fun to chat with. And, uh, we uh, wish you nothing but luck in the future, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing uh, more of those kids you'll be having. Kids, as in songs. Kids. All of his little babies. Uh-huh. And now it's time for the Chart Stat of the Week. Twenty-five years ago this week, R.E.M. got its second of two number one albums on the Billboard 200 chart with Monster. The album debuted at number one on the October 15th, 1994 dated chart and spent two weeks at number one. The band had previously hit number one in 1991 with Out of Time, featuring the hit singles Losing My Religion and Shiny Happy People. Monster generated three Hot 100 hits in... What's the Frequency, Kenneth, Bang and Blame, and Strange Currencies, with the two former tracks, both topping the Alternative Songs airplay chart. The quartet of Bill Berry, Peter Buck, Mike Mills, and Michael Stipe would continue on after Monster to record another studio album, 1996's New Adventures in Hi-Fi, before Berry departed the band in 1997. The remaining trio soldiered on for five more studio albums, concluding with 2011's Collapse Into Now, before the band called it quits that same year. 
uh, in their words, when they had a statement that they released to uh, the public, they said, to our fans and friends, as REM and as lifelong friends and co-conspirators, we have decided to call it a day as a band. So there you have it. This week in 1994, REM's Monster moved in at number one on the Billboard 200 chart, the second of two number one albums for the band. No, you They're doing a bunch of 25th anniversary stuff for that album right about now. Yeah. They're putting out like remixed versions of the track. Like a super fancy deluxe version. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's a really great album. And I like a, went to that tour. You did? My dad took me. I mean, uh, and I found out later, I didn't realize this, Radiohead opened for them on Shut that up. tour. Yeah, which is one of my favorite bands, but I didn't realize at the time. Wow. I was 12. Well, yeah. <laughs> so I was dumb and didn't know about Radiohead. Was Pablo Honey out at the time, I uh, guess? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that would have been a great. To, Monster is a really great album if you oh, listen to it. Yeah. Check it out. It's yep. just it's it's like big and rocky too. Mm-hmm. It's loud. Um, all right. So what song uh, should we go out on here? Well, goodness, we talked a lot about a lot of stuff. I know a Radiohead song, Creep. Yeah. Well, not Creep. That's so that's so basic. Oh uh, well, I was Can't we do think, better? I was trying to think of what would have been <laughs> contemporary at the time. That you okay, saw that's them. fair. Um, we'll do High and Dry instead. Is that from the same album? I think so. <laughs> Should I Google it? It doesn't really matter. It's Radiohead and we love you guys. It's a great song. I love it. All right. Bye. Bye. Don't